All right, good. Whatever time of day you guys are listening, my name's DJ Ajax, and we are back for another episode of the Spaceflight Podcast. I am once again joined by my good friend DJ Gagarin. Hello. Unfortunately, uh, DJ AJ is not here today, but we do have a special guest with us. That being, actually, you want to introduce yourself? Uh, sure. Uh, so I'm Shelby. I'm president of Spock. You want to tell us what Spock is? Oh, uh, it's the uh, Space Flight Sciences Policy and Operations Club. There you go. So a bit, a bit of a person who may be familiar in the matter. Yeah, very familiar. And also, we don't go by spaceflight anymore. We actually, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Stella Nave. Stella Navis. Yeah, Stella uh, Navis is the new name of this podcast. Because spaceflight is boring. Not spaceflight, <laughs> but like the name spaceflight. Yeah, there we go. The name spaceflight it's is like, boring. It's like naming your car car. Hey, I've done that before. Why? I'm joking. I haven't, <laughs> but. I will say I did that for my cat. Its name is Cat, so. <laughs> I, You know what? I, I don't blame you. Mood. Yeah, <laughs> but let's start off with some very big news. Artemis 1. Ah, I mean, the lack of news from Artemis 1. Yeah. <laughs> so um, for the listeners who are not aware of the situation, which if you're listening to this podcast, you probably are. Um, Artemis 1 decided to have a few oopsies uh, on the launch pad in front of everyone like a loser. Um, <laughs> and basically the first oopsie and this one's the one I'm most salty about because I was up at a godforsaken hour um, going heading down to Titusville which is an hour from here just to get scrubbed 40 minutes before launch and that was because engine 3 um, wasn't cooling correctly uh, the way it's supposed to so in order for the engines to not combust through warping um, they cool down the engines to the temperature at which it will meet the liquid hydrogen before launch. That way it doesn't just warp and get all wonky. Um, and then, so that happened. They got scrubbed. Um, fine. Over the week, we found out that they didn't even have the, re- the correct sensors on the engine. So we didn't even know if they hit any of the temperatures that it was supposed to. And then they tried to launch again the Saturday after. So that was the 29th, right? Yep, or right after Paint You. Right after Paint... No, not, not right after Paint You. The 29th was the first one. Yeah, so the, the, the second one was, was the Monday, third. And then the Saturday was the third. It was right after Paint You then. And uh, that one got scrubbed two hours before launch. And that was because of a good old hydrogen leak, which yeah. is... Hydrogen leaks... I made this joke the other day. Hydrogen leaks and NASA are like bread and butter. You can't have one without the other. That is true. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and now they just announced today that they're they were because they were originally wanting to launch September twenty third, and then they just launched today. That's not going to happen. It's going to happen October second at the earliest. Mike, did they have to roll it back to the VAB? I did. They initially said yes, but they're trying not to. They want to see because the reason why they need to roll it back to the VAB is not to fix a hydrogen leak funny enough but is to fix the batteries on the in-flight termination system um, because it's expiring it gets only certified for about two weeks it's been more than that um so they want to see if they can roll because they have to roll it back to the vap to replace those batteries um and they, but they are trying to see if they can get it certified for six weeks well the thing is how can they prove that the batteries are good for six weeks that's the fun part we they're not very uh transparent about that we're just going to be waiting to see how that turns out it may it looks like because they have to go through the whole bureaucratic process because it's nasa um so it looks like they are just gonna have to roll it back anyways but let's see what happens see what they do 
I mean, hopefully they don't have to roll it back because obviously we all want to see a launch by the end of this year. <laughs> well, if they roll it back, they will still launch, but it will probably be like later in October. I mean, either way, I mean, remember, we have our break in October, and I know at least I am going back to Texas. <laughs> and so if, I, if I'm if i going to be back in Texas while Artemis launches, I'm not going to be very happy. L. Yeah, that is a very big L on my end. Yeah. But it's still, okay, to the fact that they gotten as close as they had to launch on a first attempt on a brand new rocket, you got to give them credit, especially because yeah. a lot of it's grandfathered parts from the space shuttle. And they made the right call, too. I mean, if by if they just pressed on and something happened, it would have been really bad. And yeah. NASA NASA's of course, continuing their uh, new... Um, their new uh what's it called reputation of being overly cautious and uh all safety focus and that you can contribute to the challenger and columbia disasters they don't want another one so they're being as cautious as possible which is why it was kind of a surprise when i heard like oh we're going to try to recertify the flight batteries <laughs> the flight termination batteries yeah. um, for six weeks when they originally only certified for two so um yeah shelby what do you think um well, I was disappointed to drive all the way down there and then it not launch, but I do agree with you on better for them to be safe than have something go wrong because then that'd probably push the whole Artemis program back even if if they even would be allowed to continue on yeah. with it after that. So, And they have some exciting things planned for later on if they can get this one off the launch pad. Yeah. If, if, um, if, if the SLS ever launches, which is a oh. joke we've actually yeah. already made on this podcast. <laughs> we, we've made this joke way too many times. <laughs> I but don't know. I'll be impressed if it gets off the launch pad this year. I'm hoping it does. but I think it will. They're just, I, they're, just they're very close. I, yeah, they they're are, very they close. Are. But, I mean, <clears throat> look at it from their perspective. A lot of their jobs do rely on this working. Yeah. This doesn't work Definitely. and say, probably say goodbye to Artemis. Yeah. And so they're, I mean, I would be taking every step possible to make sure something, everything goes right. Yeah. So, yeah. you, I mean, it's like the International Space Station. Didn't it get delayed initially, like, years? Because the International Space Station is a very interesting story. Um, I don't want to dive into all of it because I could talk for hours on just the conundrum that is the ISS. But... Yes, the ISS was supposed to be completed a lot earlier than it was supposed to. And actually also extended the life of the Space Shuttle program. The Space Shuttle program was supposed to end in the late 90s. It went all the way to 2011. And that was because you need to continue the ISS program. But the thing with the ISS, that was originally supposed to be an American-only space station. Which is why it had a lot of delays. Because when they made it international, especially when they extended it to the Russian Federation, there was a lot of, wait, 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 wait. It can't be like this. And that's why the ISS gets this iconic look of the um, big solar arrays and then the small solar arrays in the back with Russians. Um, the, uh, the Zvezda module. Yeah, so it is It is definitely... ISS is a very interesting conundrum that will probably take just as long to explain as the conundrum that is SLS. Yeah, no, the SLS... <laughs> right now, the SLS is in a very awkward state. Yeah. I mean, so is the ISS right now with all the relations. A well, lot yeah. has happened since our <laughs> it, last episode. <laughs> yeah, a lot has. And not to mention, did you guys see the uh, Russian cosmonaut needing to end his EVA early because he was having electrical problems in a suit? Yeah, that I was a not. few weeks ago. Yeah, that yeah. was wow. that was like uh, 
That remind that gave off big. Uh, what was the Luca Parmitano EVA when his suit started filling up with water? That was. That was I was in middle school. That, that was, was years ago. It was, yeah, it was like. I know it was like 2012 or it something like that. It was a while, and it's still something that they're trying to work out, that problem. Yeah, so like it gave off big vibes of that, except obviously instead of water, you have electrical issues. And yeah, his suit actually shut down. Yeah. And they had to, yeah, his suit shut down in the EVA. They, well, they expect, they saw the problems first. So the good thing is that before his shoot, suit shut down, he was already making his way to the airlock. But then as he was making his way to the airlock, the suit shut down. But, of course, he was already almost there, so he had enough oxygen in his suit to make it. But... If they weren't monitoring the situation, he very well much could have gotten hurt. Yeah. Well, I mean, hurt's uh, underestimation or... Yeah. Well, I mean, he, he, he probably would have survived, but it probably would not have been well. Yeah, no, it would not have gone well for yeah. them. Yeah. What were you going to say? Oh, I was just going to say, aren't most of the spacesuits on the ISS, aren't they, like, getting near to their, like, end date? Yeah. Yeah. I think they put out a contract for so new ones, I think. the Russian ones, I know there's... Russian ones Orlan are still suits. from like the mirror from the mirror days. Yeah, or Orlan suits have been around for quite a long time, mm-hmm. which is the ones that the Russians use. And and, and NASA just sent up new EMUs. Oh, yeah, okay. they aren't they're the same design, but um, that those are the reason why they're sending them up is to replace the ones that were having the problems with the water. And they're trying to send the one that one specifically that had the water leakage problem because it happened to multiple astronauts, not just the one. Uh, they're sending it back down. They sent it back down to Earth on the Crew Dragon, um, so that way they can look at it and be like, "Okay, what's going on with this?" And then, and they're expecting that EMU suit will probably be back to the ISS in the next few years. Very cool. So, like the EM, so the current EMUs, at least on the U.S. side, Russian side, because they are is a whole different issue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the current EMUs, once I personally, I think once the uh, new Axiom EMUs are in or like fully certified and in use i have no doubt that they're going to start being used for iss yeah operations I mean, and the collins one too yeah. collins and and axiom they both won that contract so they're both going to be used the interest that's another interesting thing to talk about especially on this podcast because the way have you read on how that system is going to work no i haven't actually so axiom and collins will own the actual spacesuit itself and nasa will just pay for every time they use it so really? it's like renting a spacesuit. So they're pretty much, hmm. but don't the astronauts need to be like almost fitted to some extent to some of the parts of it? Not with the EMUs. Not with the EMUs, no. Huh? Because remember, there was a whole problem that um, the old female uh, group that was going to do the the uh, uh, EVA that they didn't have. Um, they had they had enough of the ranges, the size ranges for the EVUs uh, for two females, but not three, to fit them. So they had to send up another EMU that would have fit the email the females' uh, um, proportions. Hmm. That yeah. So it's 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 kind of like a uh, like two or three sizes fit all type thing. Like they have like kind of like small, medium, large, but. Huh. Actually, I didn't know that. That's that. Well, I mean, think about it. The EMU. Most of those EMUs have been flying for thirty years, so that, they 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 can't just like have it. Well, I get that part. To a certain person. That part, but it's more like okay, I didn't think of like the oh yeah, you have three size options. You fit in one of these, or eh, you don't. Good, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that or you don't do an EVA. Yeah. Um, that, I remember that that the, that news was funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Get, <laughs> say what? Are you okay? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> say. I mean, say what you want. That is pretty funny, just especially because you think, like, 
multi-billion dollar organization and they have trouble with one like one suit yeah one suit not fitting one of their astronauts yeah what were you gonna say oh kind of past that point but i was thinking the only part that you really had to customize was like the gloves yeah, that that's the gloves. Actually... Yeah, the gloves and the um, cooling suit, the yeah. undersuit. That, that's gotta fit. That gotta yeah. that has to f- be skin tight so you can fit in the mm-hmm. suit. But yeah, um, uh, so I want to talk about more current topics. Uh, by current, <laughs> I mean yesterday, um, <laughs> and that is uh, New Shepard NS twenty three. Do you want to open that can of worms? Well, uh, <laughs> my, I think that my favorite part of that situation is the way Blue Origin tweeted about it. <laughs> We're having some issues. Small issues. Some small issues at our facility in Texas. I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but still, I, the way they were like, ah, oh, nothing, not a big deal, just small issues. Totally not like our rocket literally had to pull an abort. So, um, I was watching a video from Scott Manley. It was the fastest oh. upload I've ever seen him do. <laughs> he always, like, uploads like maybe once every other week the event happened in the morning and like literally three hours later this man uploaded a video like he was ready but anyways um he came up with a term that i didn't know was an actual term concerning space flight but it does apply to the situation so the way the what happened uh, that we know uh, that we are estimating so far because blue origin is being kind of quiet about it is that um it looks like debris some something in the engine came apart. Debris came into the exhaust, and that caused it to destabilize the engine because you know the engine's coming apart, um, and that caused the abort to happen because it started to list to the right. Um, but the interesting part, the interesting term that Scott Manley said that is I looked up as an actual term used in spaceflight, is that the engine experienced engine-rich exhaust. Engine. Engine-rich exhaust, which basically means that pieces of the engine are coming out of the exhaust of the engine. Therefore, it's engine-rich. That is, that is, that <laughs> is a very literal description of what's going on. Yeah. yeah. What, what, do you, what do you think, Shelby? What do I think? Um, honestly, don't even know. Rocket. Um, <laughs> I think rocket yeah. went boom. Yeah, exactly. I think it would be interesting if they got any data of like how many Gs it pulled. I want, really um, want to see that. With that abort, because... Yeah. Was that a crude? Was that like, was there a crew on or is it just? No, it was uncrewed. It was payload only. It was scientific. A lot of it was NASA. Most of it was Club for the Future, like a bunch of postcards by members Mm -hmm. of the club being sent up there for funsies. Um, But what I do have to say, although it was unfortunate, it was a very good advertisement. Yeah. Like, yeah, you will get back safety. You may not be exactly. I mean, you're going to pull quite <laughs> yeah, a few you're gonna, Gs. you're going to be hurting, but you will get back safely. You'll yeah. be alive. <laughs> you'll make it back to Earth. You'll make it back, yeah. You'll be hurting, but you'll make it back. Yeah, yeah. Your back might be a little bit sore. Might need a chiropractor visit, but... Yeah. Uh, uh, more, more than a few. Maybe a broken <laughs> rib, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's it's safer than, at least from what it looked like, it was safer than what the what we've seen from Soyuz so far. Because Soyuz yeah. has, is the only rocket that's had crewed in-flight aborts. Yeah, I mean, so far. Also, I mean, no disrespect to the Rus- to the Russians, but they are using a rocket that was designed in the '60s by Korolev. Yeah, the the Grandmaster, who definitely died too soon. I'm sorry, I can go on and on about how Korolev died, and then Soviet slash Russian uh, space program basically just died with it. 
Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much. It was but, just it was just kind of like all the ambition just kind of t- stopped. Yeah. Well, also because he was the only one who knew what he was doing, everyone else was just kind of well, like. Well, I mean, ev- people knew what they were doing. It's just he was the only one with vision. I yeah. Think. Well, also didn't he? I mean, obviously this is looking way back, but didn't when he initially proposed the uh, what was it? The N one design. It was like a cluster of like thirty something engines. A little more than that, but yeah. I've seen that. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> it's it's it is one of the most curval designs ever known to man. Yeah. It's great. But anyways, continue. Um. I mean, yeah, that that abort with Blue Origin had to be... I remember uh, I was actually mixing in here, and AJ walked in. And he showed me the video. I'm like, wow, I didn't know it did that. <laughs> <laughs> actually, if you look at... You know, you see that picture inside the New Shepard capsule? And you see all the big windows. You notice, like, the spire in the middle? The little, like, oh, cylinder yeah. coming? That is the abort engine. So That's the, the abo- engine right there. The abort engine is right there. Yeah. Huh. Actually, I, n- I never noticed that. It is, that's what it is. So if you look at the thing, it actually burnt through the um, heat shield for the abort. Huh. So I if you see, you use like a circle in the middle, you see all the broken stuff. It's it's definitely like an interesting design. Yeah, I can no, see that why I did it. I th- now, now I want to go. Now I'll Google that after this. <laughs> but. Now I'm curious to see it. Also, okay, another, I mean, this isn't new. This is like a couple months old. Uh, more on the ground, Kennedy Space Center, the new uh, exploration, or the new, what's it called? Gateway opened up. Yeah. I haven't been yet. I have not been yet. I haven't either. I, w- I have an annual pass to the Kennedy Space Center, and I'm think honestly, I might try to convince one of my closest buddies to go this weekend. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I really want to go, but I, I usually do... I, I mean, I've already explained this to you. You were on mine last year. Yeah. But every November, I've done this since my freshman year of college. I do a little pilgrimage to Kennedy Space Center. Every November. That's just always been my thing. Last year, it was Veterans Day. The two years before, it was on my birthday. Um, but I'll, we, I'll go down to Kennedy Space Center for the day. And usually, what I like to do is just take a bunch of people who've never been. And because I grew up with the Kennedy Space Center, I'll go like at least twice a year. Um, since I only grew up 45 minutes from Titusville. So um, uh, I know the place like the back of my hand. I've seen it grow. Uh, it makes me very excited to see all this. And so, um, yeah, every November I usually try to take um, like a bunch of other people. I mean, how many people went last year? Like 12, 13? Yeah, quite a few of us. Because yeah. I remember we had to go in like three or four cars. Well, we had to go in three cars because I had work right after. Well, yeah, but even then there was still like... We were all we all had to go in separate, well, yeah. a couple separate cars, but also now obviously this is news to me. I don't know if it's news to you guys, but you know there's a museum in Titusville called the American Space Museum and Walk of Fame. Yeah, the Space Walk of Fame. I know I know about that. I I, I, I thought it shut down. Is it still around? Allegedly, it's still up. Like I'm looking on it. It says uh, open closes at 5 p.m. and it's like open. Oh, so- Saturday is like 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Ex- close open every day except for Sunday. So honestly, this Saturday, I might try to make a trip out there. Yeah, I heard the Space Walk of Fame is supposed to be like a local gem, hidden gem. Yeah. It is a small cool. museum. Yeah, and I'm looking at photos of it right now. It, it's act- It looks really cool. Yeah. Like, as mm-hmm. a space shuttle model, it looks like engines. Engines are cool. Speaking of, um, going back to the state you come from. Uh, Texas. I actually went to Houston over the summer. 
Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I was supposed to go with you. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You were, and you bailed on me. Well, because I had work. I know, but still. Anyways, have you, Shelby, have you been to Houston? I have. Um, I actually, I'm from Oklahoma, so. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> I'm from Dallas, by the uh, way. Okay, I'm from, like, southern Oklahoma, so I'm only two hours away from Dallas. <laughs> I get this every time I meet a Texas person. They're always like, I'm so sorry. There, it, there is a rivalry. There, There is a rivalry, there I will rivalry. admit. I, I guess there is, yeah. But Houston Space Center is pretty cool. I've been down there a few times, so. Yeah, so I went, and I, I unfortunately, very sadly, could not do the MCC tour. I really wanted to, but they were, it was like a five-hour wait, and I only had four hours to be there. Um, but I did do the um, Space Vehicle Mock-Up Facility. That place is awesome. It was sick. So Shelby and I, over the summer, we both worked at Space Camp. We did. Yeah. We specifically, Space Camps in Huntsville, Alabama, U.S. Space and Rocket Center. Um, we both work specifically the Mission Center Complex, MCC, um, which is the people that conduct all the missions and simulations for Space Camp, right? And for Aviation Challenge, technically. But um, Aviation Challenge is a sister camp. I'm not going to get into it right now. Anyways, um, the MCC floor, where most of our simulators are, looks like just a smaller version of the space vehicle mock-up facility and i that's when i got like super does, proud yeah. about working at space camp because it basically looks almost identical just at a smaller scale instead of having a whole building is just as one floor inside a smaller building but i mean I'll, i mean i'll show you pictures but it's it it made me very proud when i saw it and it was real. One thing that was very interesting when I went was that they still have a space shuttle simulator at the space vehicle mock-up facility in Houston. Last time I went, 2019, they said they were supposed to move that uh, towards the latter later end of 2019, and it's still there now. Still there. I didn't know if it was still ne there now. Now that I know that, that's uh, that actually makes things kind of interesting. Yeah, it makes it interesting and funny because they they. <laughs> Either they have issues with letting go, or <laughs> or they just have forgotten about it. No, it is very hard to forget. It's kind of like in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I mean, it's tall. Like, it's one of those things where, like, oh, I'll get to it tomorrow. And then tomorrow comes, oh, I'll get yeah. to it the next day. Just keep procrastinating it. Maybe yeah. it'll just eventually disappear, and then no one will do it. <laughs> now, my, my theory is that because of the, that there's probably, like, a group of astronauts who are nostalgic about the space shuttle days that would keep it around for funsies. I mean, it is a very good. I'm just that's coming from, I mean, uh, the space shuttle sims we worked on at Space Camp, they were, I would say, mid fidelity. They weren't the the most accurate sims, but they weren't inaccurate either. That's true. I mean, they had astronauts come and like go through the simulation. They're like, yeah, this is this is pretty yeah, accurate. Yeah, it's pretty accurate. Yeah. So, but um, work doing the space shuttle because it's so manual. It's not very automatic at all. Yeah. That is very help, helpful with communication team building skills. So I can see them keeping it around to get like get the crew together, kind of crew bonding type thing. Mm -hmm. And also <laughs> anomalies. <laughs> <laughs> you got to have a nice Christmas tree at yeah. some point where just the whole board lights up. Yeah, so the, got everything wrong. <laughs> the space shuttle specifically, I don't know about other stuff, but specifically space shuttle has a little red board called the CNW matrix. CNW stands for caution and warning. Basically, anything that goes wrong, that lights up. Yeah. Yeah. And 
Um, as a simulator operator that uh, Shelby and I were, that is the most fun part about our <laughs> job is just watching people freak out um, by throwing anomalies at them. It was fantastic. But um, That's part of the job. It is. Um, but you don't really get that with modern spacecraft anymore. I mean, look at Dragon. Look at Starliner. I, I, I don't know too much about Orion. Well, Starliner's um, only flown once and well, yeah, flown twice. Yeah, but if you look at the interface, it's very much like because, you know, you're having customers fly instead of astronauts mostly. Um, very much not there. So having the on-your-toes work together as a team, solve the problem thing that the space shuttle program you had, that was a requirement, would be pretty good to keep them around. It is. When you think about it, yeah, now that is a good thing to keep around for team building. But I feel like there's other ways you could do it. I mean, obviously, space shuttle being a very classic example. Yeah. Without you need, but you have to. Don't you have to learn the space shuttle in order to be able to get in it and go? Oh. Uh, I mean, it's pretty straightforward. Um, you do have to know, like the basics. But yeah. they literally make it dummy proof. So space shuttle, the, at least the flight deck, is divided up into panels. And the panels will be named based on the position where they're at in the shuttle. So let's say um, it's, it's a letter and a number. So they say you need to go to panel A15. A will stands for aft. So that means you have to look behind you. Mm -hmm. And you have to look for panel number 15 behind you. And that's it. Okay. So, so they, it's yeah. very easy. Everything's yeah. labeled. Um, I mean, we had little kids in there figuring out some of them. Some of them. <laughs> some of them. Yeah. Uh, what? Did it well. Yeah, the only thing that's super complicated with a space shuttle was a computer. Just yeah. memorizing all the functions yeah. to punch everything in. I mean, even at space camp, the crew trainers were only allowed to, or were only taught four of the specification screens that were on the thing. Even that was hard to memorize. The yeah. four specification screens. Just the sims at space camp, not the actual space shuttle, has, I think, north of 20 specification screens. And just the four was hard to memorize. And they weren't so, even like one through twenty. It was like one thousand and like yeah. Spec ten forty two, spec twenty eleven, spec twenty twenty one, spec twenty fifteen, spec uh sixty six, yeah. spec seventy eight. Stuff it was just kind of like kinda all random. over the place. Yeah. So that that I think is the more complicated part. Everything else is pretty much like, all the physical stuff. Is pretty much. So it's like once you kind of have a basic understanding of it, then the rest is just kind of straightforward. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, okay, so we have about four minutes left, give or take. Okay, three Let's just say three minutes. Okay. Any final thoughts, any final things you guys want to say or talk about? I'll let Shelby take it away. Oh, let cool. me take it away? Yeah, yeah, yeah we'll, you we'll take like, it. You're the, you're um, the fancy smanchy president of a space club. Yeah, that doesn't mean anything, though. <laughs> I, just, I just like space. Um, <laughs> Same. I don't know. I just hope I get to see the SLS go up. I really just want to be there for that launch. Uh, yeah, I, I just, agree. I just want to hear those, those SRBs. I I want to yeah, hear the so just bad. the whole thing yeah. rumble, because I if Saturn V made the uh, the launch center or the launch control center at the time like completely shake like an earthquake. Yeah. And it was what seven point five million pounds of thrust. Something like that. And SLS Block One has like eight point eight. Yeah, it's gonna be pretty cool to see. Yeah. Yeah. And I found this very sweet spot that not many people know about. It has like the launch pad directly across the water. Wait, what's the name of this place? I'm not telling oh, okay. it on the podcast. I know. I'll tell I it to you. I think I, I told know. you about it. I think I know where you're talking about. I, th I think about. I know exactly where you're talking I, about. I, I told you about it. 
I'm not. I'm, I'm gonna. I'll tell you, just not on the podcast. Well, because I, I, I want to keep it as secluded as possible. That's true. I found a good spot that's smaller. I'm not gonna say it either, because yeah. A big flex here at Riddle, by the way, <laughs> is uh, having good spots exactly. <laughs> when a rocket launches. Yeah. yeah. Literally everyone, like anyone on campus who has an idea about spaceflight knows exactly like where to go. Yeah. Very true. And I mean, sometimes, obviously if you're local to Titusville, you know that spot just like, oh, mm-hmm. I go there to walk my dog. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, I, I know for certain that there's like three spots I can name, I could think of off the top of my head where you can see the VAB 39A, 39B pretty easily with That's the naked really eyes. Very nice. It's very nice. Yeah. I've right. been to several spots down there, so... Yeah, well, the last thing I want to talk about was Firefly having another hiccup. Oh. Well, that's a, that's <laughs> a fat rip for them. Yeah, they uh, they didn't blow up this time. <laughs> that's good. That is, that is a good thing. So, uh, it was also yesterday. Yesterday was mm-hmm. full of fun events. Um, but they their mission Into the Black out of Vandenberg was supposed to happen, I think, 2 p.m. They pushed it back to 6.30 uh, this specific time, and then um, they scrubbed it. And then initially they said weather, and then they deleted that tweet. Um, <laughs> and it turns out it was not weather. They it was some sort of technical problem. I can't remember off the top of my head right now. But um, they're trying to shoot again for I think Friday. I think Friday they're trying again, but a lot of people are saying that they that may not happen. I mean, they may it, not launch. They may not launch this week. They may I'm, not launch. Let me launch another time. Well, I'm guessing all we can say right now is that we'll find out on the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Thank you for coming on. Oh, thank you for having me. If you want to come back on next one, you are more than welcome to. Oh, okay. And uh, yeah, any last uh, thing to say in the next five seconds, Yuri? Uh, Artemis 1, please watch, please. Thank you. <laughs> please <laughs> all watch. All right. See you guys.